What's up, guys? The well, third week of the DNVR closest to the whole challenge is over as AJ fails on this week's closest to the whole challenge by the sound of it. I haven't even gotten there yet. <laughs> <laughs> He's struggling. He's struggling to put it close. Last week, I don't think anyone struggled to put it close because we picked a hole that was way too easy. And because of that, we have multiple winners. First, we have at Jack's Lung. Second, we have at MT Zirkle. And third, we have at Iowa Avs Fan. For Jack's Lung and MT Zirkle, Go ahead and email in at lindsay at thednvr.com. That's L-Y-N-D-S-E-Y at thednvr.com to claim your free shirt or gift card. Iowa Avs fan, you have already won a hole, so unfortunately we cannot give you another free shirt, but I will go ahead and throw you an extra raffle into the grand prize drawing for getting another hole in one. I believe that is everyone that won. We did did have a lot of entries and some busy times on our Twitter over this week. So if you did get a hole-in-one on that hole last week, go ahead and send in a screenshot and we'll get you all sorted out with that. Hopefully we get everyone covered as far as that goes. For this week, once again, just to go over the rules, head on over to freewgt.com to download the game. You have to go through freewgt.com to get in and get entered into this contest. Once the game is downloaded, head over to the closest to the whole challenge. That's the game mode that we're playing. And this week we're going to be playing Kiowa Island and we're going to be doing hole number six of the closest to the whole challenge. That is the sixth hole that you play in order, not hole number six, as in the sixth hole of the course, because the closest to the whole challenge does the holes out of order sometimes. So the sixth hole that you play, you'll play five holes. And then on the sixth one is the one you want to play, get as close to the hole as you can take that screenshot and send it in either to us at the DNVR avalanche on Twitter or email it to info at the DNVR.com. That is the game. FreeWGT.com, closest to the hole, will win a free shirt or gift card at the end of the week, and you'll be entered into the grand prize drawing, which isn't too far away at this point. It will be coming up fairly soon. It's either Avs tickets, which are very nice tickets to an Avs game, or if you're out of state, it's a jersey of your choosing, which I'm a little bit jealous of. I think that jersey is, is maybe the best prize of, of the whole thing. So it's, yeah. it's going to be a stadium series Jersey of your choosing. <laughs> okay. Well then maybe it's the worst prize. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's just a fun time. I played this hole and got 10 feet on it. AJ's playing it right now. He's probably going to secretly be playing it during this whole podcast. So <laughs> when he gets a hole in one, you'll hear him shout, but yeah. Free WGT.com to download. Have fun with us. I think I got it within 10 feet. I'm sure someone will beat that immediately. But let's jump into this show. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs, 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. (laughs) 
welcome into the DNBR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. You can visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or check out online through mygreensolution.com. And you can use code at DNVR20 for 20% off your purchase. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfleet. It's been a bit of a wild weekend as the Avs did defeat the Vancouver Canucks 5-4 to in overtime. But let's not beat around the bush. The obvious story here is the play involving Matt Calvert taking a puck to the head. I've been pretty vocal about how I hate everything about this play. AJ, I'm assuming you're in the same boat. I mean, I wrote an article about it, right? Yep. So I was pretty upset post game. Um, and I didn't really care about the results. Uh, I mean, I was glad the ads got the second point that I thought that they had pretty more or less earned. Uh, in regulation, but I, I was pretty upset about how everything happened with Calvert. You know, this is, this, this is a league that has spent an awful lot of their time and energy talking about how much they care about player safety and changing a bunch of rules and trying to, trying to, to, to litigate out headshots from the game, you know, trying to, trying to take that seriously. And they talk a lot about it. But every year we see that their their actual action towards it is it's a little contradictory to what they have to actually say. And I think that was, again, the case where, uh, you know, as the rules were written, depending on how you wanted to interpret it, they either made the right call or made an atrocious call. Uh, for me, I think that regardless of the rules, they made an inhumane call. Uh, you can't let a guy lay on the ice for 14 seconds bleeding from his head. You just can't. Yeah. I I don't want to blame the refs too much. I understand their job is hard, but there should not be room to make that error in the first place based on the rule book. Yeah, I mean I think I think you we've talked about how they, you know, headshots get penalized. They get they're suspendable, all of that now. Yep. Uh I think that that is all moving towards the right direction. That's great. But the, the next step is, you know, pucks to the face, stop play, just stop play. It's such an easy thing to do. And there's no real downside to it. If a player is, is faking, which is the main argument against that I've seen is that a player is faking an injury to get the play to stop. That player gets a penalty. If you want to be more severe about it, when a player is determined to be faking it in the last five minutes of a game, give him a penalty shot. It is such an easy solution. Right. And, and how do you determine if a guy's faking? Like it's pretty, e- it's pretty easy to know if a guy's faking a head injury or not. Um, those are the, the Matt Calvert can't make that up. Right. You know? It's, it's so, if a player has a real head injury with the concussion protocol that is in the NHL, they're not going to return to the game. If there's less than five minutes left, they're going to have to go through the protocol. Right. And you know, we, we did see last year in Washington, Kuznetsov did return to that game after he went through that protocol. Remember when Ian Cole hit him and it was a whole thing and he came back in that game and I think uh, was involved in the game winning goal. So cool. But the big thing here is that you can't let players take hits to the head and and value puck possession over it. Yeah, like and that's that's the right of the and, argument. And I said on the podcast last Friday, you know, I 
do think players sign up for a certain amount of risk when they're playing professional hockey. Matt Calvert understands that he could get hit in the head with a puck and that could have long-term lasting impacts on him. And that's, that's acceptable. But what isn't acceptable is allowing that to become worse by not stopping a hockey game when someone could seriously have been dying on the ice. Thankfully he wasn't, but. And, and players from both teams stopped. Right. Pedersen like immediately was like, Oh no, this man is seriously hurt. Right. And it, and it was like, Hey, you know, he's looking around at the refs. Like, why are the refs not looking at him? Like, Oh, Hey, maybe there's something going on. There are four of them out there. And they have to be empowered. All four people should be empowered to make that call to stop play for an injury like that. If you're if, if it's only up to the, the the two referees and not the two linesmen, that's also insane. You have to empower player safety needs to come first, and you have to empower all four guys with whistles on the ice to be able to blow it down for injury. Absolutely. It especially one like that. And this isn't like, oh, Calvert got hurt behind the play and nobody noticed. He was hurt directly in the middle of the offensive zone. The puck was moved around him in circles multiple times. Like, that, he had to have been seen. Well, and the idea that he was somehow, Calvert was somehow at fault here because he started to get up is crazy pants. It's Honestly, it's the opposite for me. He started to get up and he collapses back down and you still don't blow the whistle? Absolutely unacceptable. I, uh, yeah, you can't, you can't punish a guy for getting hurt and to punish a team for an injury where you just stop play. You know, the Canucks might've been upset about it a little bit, but you know, they've got three minutes to go. If they were that upset uh, about it, you know, maybe they shouldn't have gotten in the hole in the first place. Right. It's, it's just two points, man. Hockey's fun. Hockey is a great sport to watch. I obviously love it. I love that. I cover it for my job. A guy's health is obviously more important than a random regular season hockey game or a Stanley Cup final game seven. It doesn't matter. Health is number one. Yeah, that guy has to go home at some point to his to his family, you know, and I was sitting there thinking, hey, the, the upside of this, it's a really late game. Hopefully Calvert's kids are in bed already and that they aren't they aren't sitting there watching him writhe and bleed out in pain on the ice. Yeah. I- it was pretty gruesome. Thankfully, it sounds like Calvert, for the most part, is going to be okay. Yeah, on his way uh, back to Denver, will not finish the road trip. No surprise there. Yeah, definitely. Especially when you see something like that. Do not rush back. Make sure he's 100% before you try anything. Absolutely. That's the number one thing. Get close to, to be be healthy when you come back, man. Yeah. No no need coming back. It's just hockey. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I can definitely drink to the fact that Matt Calvert is mostly okay. So it's time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Today, let's talk about the Strawberry Sky. It's a Monday. Sometimes you just need something easy to drink, and that's exactly what the Strawberry Sky is. It's got those strawberry notes in it, that kind of light, fruity flavor that people 
I I guess I can't speak for everyone, but certainly I and AJ love to enjoy really easy to just kick back and, and have one at any time in the evening, especially on a Monday, as I said. Honestly, Strawberry Sky, it's barely even a beer to me. Like, I expect a little bit of bite in beers, and Strawberry Sky just doesn't have one. I could drink them like soda, essentially. Um, but yeah, if you like Strawberry Sky or any other Breckenridge beer, it should be down at your local Davidson's or other local liquor store. Just go have a look for it. I'm sure you'll find at least something from them. And you can also keep an eye out for the Breckenridge event calendar on the DNVR.com. We have all of our events planned there. We'll be drinking Breck Brew at all of those events. So if you want to come out, have a few Breck Brews and just have a good time talking with us about pretty much any sport under the sun, we will be happy to do so. All right. Back to the hockey. Any closing words on Matt Calvert, or do you want to jump into the rest of this game? Yeah, I mean, let's... I I think over the last couple of days, we've all kind of said our piece, and yeah, we've tweeted at the NHL enough that enough is enough, you know? For sure. It's... It is what it is, and hopefully things get changed. Yeah. It's a good way to put it. Hopefully things get changed. The rest of this game was, I thought very strong from the abs. They had the, what should have been a regulation when they were up four two with less than five minutes to play off of scoring from the entire forward core. They were getting goals from Belmar, Burakovsky, McKinnon, they saw the depth flash again, which is something they hadn't really seen since that skid. New guys coming up big. Yeah. I mean, when you have Nathan McKinnon, you have Kale McCarr, like these guys are all kind of your superstars are being your superstars, you know, and with McCarr, the only thing impressive is that it's just happening as quickly as it is. (laughs) Right. This was more or less what we've been talking about the last two years was on its way. It's just, that we didn't think it was going to happen immediately. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there was, I think there was a little bit of hope that it could, but certainly, I mean, there's always not like hope. this, not this fast. Yeah. There's, there's always that like, Oh man, how awesome would it be if he just came in and started tearing it up? And now it's like, okay, you know, he's set an unreasonably high bar for whoever the next poor rookie is to come in behind him. Yeah, Bowen Byram's going to be like really good and I think he sucks compared to right. He's going to have he's going to have like a solid like 30 point rookie season. He's going to score 10 goals and people are going to be like, "Man, he's no Kale McCarr," which is well, <laughs> literally no who is. what Kale McCarr is doing right. right now. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I thought the uh I thought that the differences between McCarr and Quinn Hughes, the guy who so frequently is compared to very, very obvious in that game on Saturday night. You know, Hughes ended up with two assists on goals three and four, uh, you know, which lottied out for him. But <laughs> in no way looked like he belonged in the same category as Kale McCarr. In no way. Yeah, I don't think it was particularly close, to be honest. McCarr, I actually thought started off the game really slow, but by the end of it, he made me look like a total idiot because he just ended some fools. That breakout pass on the second goal was absurd. I mean, it's perfect. 
Yeah, like, right. You just you you throw a ninety foot tape to tape pass that's flat on the ice, uh, and is and is right on because it was left handed. Uh, yep. It was right on his forehand. It was it's perfect across the blue line, so he couldn't have possibly been offside. Like, right, like you it was, cannot draw it up better than that. It's exactly it's the kind of pass that you make in a video game where you're like, it's a lot harder to do in in real life. <laughs> It's honestly what he's doing is is truly incredible. Him and John Carlson, by the way, who's continues to just break the rules of the NHL at, at the rate he's scoring. But at this point, I don't even does the college wall even matter? I mean, he's I don't so, even, I, if it happens, it happens when it happens. We'll deal with it. We'll talk right. about it. But for right now. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy what's what is an extremely special and rare thing that we're seeing. I mean, 22 points in 20 games is incredible for a defenseman. It would be incredible for a forward because there have not been very many point per game um, rookie seasons out of forwards in the last 10, 15 years. It's- so, you know, for for if 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 it was Jack Hughes doing this right now. We would all be sitting around, you know, or, or Kakao talking about how special that was too. But because it's a defenseman, it's even more special. It's yeah. just rarefied air, man. Like it just this this just doesn't happen. Literally, a point per game rookie defenseman has never happened ever. <laughs> so if he keeps it up, it has never happened. Period. End of story. I, right. I don't know what else to to put on it other than he is the best defenseman, at least rookie defenseman that the Avs have ever had. Yeah, I mean, you know, Rob Blake and and Ray Bork, obviously the best defenseman and Adam Foot best defenseman in organizational history. Uh, Kale McCarr has an opportunity to put himself in this in these conversations. A lot faster than like we're 20 games into a guy's career and we're already talking about putting him into a category with Hall of Fame players. And that's just the start that he's had. That's he has he has put us in the media in position to talk about that. Yeah, it's it's all him just straight up dominating NHLers as a 21 year old kid. Yeah. This this is you know the the offensive dominance is special and honestly you know Nathan McKinnon the other day after a pretty disappointing performance against McDavid and company in which it looked like he kind of one of the very few times in his career that it felt like he shrank from the moment a little bit the exact opposite against Vancouver was yeah. not taking that he balled out against Vancouver, and we will get to that in segment two. But first, as McCarr joins McKinnon in uh, that upper echelon bracket of true superstars in the NHL, there's also a new alternative for addressing your tax needs if you're moving to a different tax bracket. Symbio Tax and Administration provides its clients with honest and knowledgeable tax services from a licensed professional. You guys know we're all about taking care of our own, and George over at Symbio Tax is a proud DNVR subscriber and a diehard Avs fan. Whether you have a small business, you're looking to rent out a room in your house, or if you just need to get your tax return filed, go to a qualified professional to understand your tax return. 
requirements. Don't end up at one of those retail tax chains. Call Symbiotax today for a free consultation at 720-366-4470 or visit them at Symbiotax.com. That's S-Y-M-B-I-O tax.com. Second segment of the DNBR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. I'm Rudo. He's AJ. We're talking about the Avs versus Vancouver. Obviously, McKinnon stepped up with the two goals, one of them being the overtime game winner where he just decided that he was the best hockey player on the ice. But the play that impressed me the most was the feed to Burakovsky. That's... When you make your teammates better, that's what truly separates the greatest players, I think. I mean, that was that was a whatever shift. <laughs> the whole shift like was awesome from everybody. And for it to have finished like that was just nasty. And Burakovsky with the finish, Burakovsky played really well again. Burkowski's going to take Calvert's spot on the top line next to McKinnon regularly. He absolutely has earned it. He's third on the avalanche in scoring right now. I mean, 16 points in 20 games. This is everything that you hoped for when they went and got him. Yeah, absolutely is. It's great to see that this has continued to work as we're now getting into a sample size that is is big enough to be worth considering. It's not just a a quick 10 game streak to start the season. Definitely. I mean, a fourth of the year is gone and what can you say? Shoot more, please. Uh, Yeah. I mean, 40 shots on goal uh, is not quite what we were hoping for. You'd like that to be closer to 60 plus, but yeah. Right. But we we said, what, coming in 180 shots, 200 yeah. shots? Yeah. Was kind of the area that we were we were happy with, the, that we were looking for, and he's on pace right now for 160. So not too far off where we wanted, where we wanted him to be preseason coming in, uh, but converting at a higher rate than we would have expected, which, of course... Anytime you're over 20%, you're always, you know, we're always going to be like, "Mm." certainly a little skeptical. Yeah. (laughs) But is a high level shooter and has been his entire career. It, it will be interesting for me to see if he does get a bit of a long look with Nathan McKinnon on that top line right now, mostly because the Evs don't have any other choice. Right. Right. But, the times they have spent together during the regular season, it has consistently got better. They seem to be starting to click a little bit more than certainly they were early on or, or in the preseason. So if that's something that the abs can fall back on with consistency, then you're talking about a team that is getting a bit scary. Once they get healthy, we can have that conversation of, do we split up the top line? Yeah, I mean, this is Burakovsky's opportunity to really show, you know, coming into the year, it was, hey, can he be a top six guy? Screw yeah. that. Can he be a 70-point guy? He's can on he pace be a, to be right now, yeah. Can he be a 35-goal scorer? Because if he's going to play next to Nathan McKinnon and he's going to continue to shoot and play like he has, this is, this is a real conversation. It's a legitimate conversation. 
it's one that I like that we're having as well. <laughs> it was not one I saw coming, coming into the year. You know, we, we were hopeful for a 2020 season. Yeah. 45 points, I think is what we were kind of looking for. Yep. And so far on the Av side of things, on Sackick side of things, this has been everything they wanted it to be. Well, and what's I think most interesting about this is he doesn't have a single power play goal, but he's already matched his career high in power play points. Well, yeah, the Avs' current strategy is feed McKinnon one-timers and do nothing else. So <laughs> sure, but that's not where he's picked up his assists. You know, he's got five. He's got five power play assists. Almost all of them have come on the second unit. So that's to me. I think that's intriguing. Yeah, he's a bit of an enigma to me in that way because you watch him carry the puck through the neutral zone and he just flies. Yeah. But in the offensive zone, I don't know. Maybe it's just the lack of space that he's not comfortable in, but he doesn't seem to want to hold on to that puck. Yeah, I he is he is an interesting guy to watch uh for that reason that that he He's not, he doesn't look like a natural distributor of the puck. You know, he's not looking to make a play to create space for his teammates. I think he's right. just looking to get rid of it because he doesn't want to turn it over. Yeah. And big differences between those two approaches. And I think that as as he becomes more respected as a shooter as a dangerous shooter we're going to see him get defended differently we're going to see teams tighten up gaps on him so that he can't take that free shot from the wall and when that happens how he responds to that adjustment will be very telling in in how much he's able to grow his game as a playmaker And I mean, that's what truly separates top six players, right? Obviously, superstars just end up getting double teamed and find ways to create for their their teammates or or beat that by themselves. Mm -hmm. When it comes into being a second line player or or an auxiliary top line player, when they get the book on you and when they start playing you that way, what other tricks do you have in the bag? Right. How you adjust is is as important as how you succeeded in the first place. Yeah. Because that avenue of success in the first place may not be there forever. You know, it'll it'll pop up in games from time to time. Certainly in transition when teams are not as tight defensively, you'll have opportunities, and that's great. You'll you'll be able to get those. But on a night to night basis, how how you manage the chess game of how teams defend you and the quality of defender that you go up against, it will increase as well. You know, going against going next to McKinnon, we look at it and say, hey, it's a great opportunity for him. He's also going to be playing against everybody's game plan. Everybody's game plan is going to be shut down 29, especially with 92 and 96 on the shelf. It's shut down 29. And so now, you know, Burakovsky's got to force his way in there. You know, Donskoy has done a decent enough job adjusting, although we have seen Look, Donskoy is not a top-line player. We know that. We've seen it. We're seeing him on the top line in top-line minutes. More often than not, he just doesn't belong in that caliber of competition. 
And that's that's okay. That's not what you got him for. That's not what you are expecting out of him. Right now with Burakovsky, he's off to such a grand a grand start that you do leave yourself open to wondering, could this be possible? That's the question. I mean, you know, when you when you get into these type of conversations, it becomes if this is real, the abs are becoming legitimate cup contenders. And straight up. It's hard for me personally to get over the hump and, and view the abs as that, so I'm a little cautious with these types of things. But so far, Burakovsky is is making it hard not to look at that. I mean, coming into the season, we felt like the abs had legitimate four top six players with the addition of Kadri. And we're hopeful with Jost and Burakovsky. Right. I I would say with Jostin Burakovsky, it's five and a half right now. <laughs> I mean, I would just say it's five. That's fair. And we've seen with Jost, like a lot of, a lot of positive signs from Jost this year. I feel like this, it's, it's been more positive than negative, but the production hasn't been there and that's okay. You just know that, okay, well the, the points aren't going to come and that's, okay, we just won't rely on that from that guy anymore. You know, asking for him to give you 30 points from the third line, that's a different story. That's a perfectly reasonable ask and one that he needs to live up to. But it's obvious that the big 50-point leap isn't happening. I I think it's obvious that it's not happening. Uh, And then with Burakovsky, though, it, it is. And now you're saying, okay, now you might have five top six guys. You know, with with Donskoy as kind of Donskoy and Comfer as guys that can kind of move up and fill very specific roles, but not really be those guys. And then you talk about a defense that you should feel is deep and talented and pretty complete all around. <laughs> it's a complete team and it should be a cup contender. A hundred percent should be. You did lead me directly into the next topic I want to talk about, which is that defense. But we will get to that in segment two. First, we here at DNVR have a really incredible deal for you. We have Total Beverage offering you 30. That's right, 30. This is a deal just for the DNVR fam. 30% off your purchase of $25 or more. You guys have used this one so much that they had to put a max of $75 deal on this coupon. So if it's between $25 and $75 that you're purchasing, you will get a 30% off deal you can use code dnvr 2019 online or on the total beverage app download that today get your 30 percent off as you may or may not know total beverage delivers to most of the metro area from lakewood to boulder from aurora to brighton and they have the lowest prices in the state plus they now offer cbd products from drinks to gummies you can enjoy cbd products on your next visit can't stress it enough don't let this offer pass you by 30 percent off your purchase of 25 dollars or more with a max of 75 dollars better yet don't leave the comfort of your home and get it delivered 
third and final segment of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. He's AJ. I'm still Rudo. The Avs forwards came to play in Vancouver. I would say the Avs defense did look better on the whole, but they have to keep themselves out of the penalty box. Ryan Graves has now had five penalties across two games. Ian Cole and Nikita Zadorov both took their traditional penalties in a game where it didn't end up costing the Avs, but it could have. And the PK thankfully came to play and, and did a good enough job to only allow one goal against, but that's something that burns teams along longer stretches. Uh, I believe they allowed two power play goals. Did they allow a second one? Either yeah, way, I believe I, I think the first two were were power play goals, and that's that was the difference for a while. You know, that's not being able to kill off penalties. Yeah, that power they went two for six. Colorado went one for five on the power play. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah, but, although there were there were so many penalties called in that game yeah, that it was hard to know who was on a power play at different times. It, it got really messy for a long time. But regardless. Yes, some of them were probably ticky-tacky, but that's mm-hmm. just the way this game was getting called, and, and the Avs have to find ways to stay out of the box. I honestly, I didn't have any real issues uh, with any of the penalties called until the third period. The Zadorov tripping against Pearson, and the which which just was, it was really weak. It was like one of those, like, technically this is tripping. Yeah. But it was like, come on, you you see interactions like that 10 times a game. And then the Donskoy quote unquote holding that they that they called against Pedersen and Pedersen's interference against Donskoy in return. Ugh. I mean, Both at least they were... canceled him out. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, they weren't going to Pedersen commi- ended up committing that penalty later right. in the shift. No, when I... they had the extra guy on the ice and it was. They just got lucky that they called another ticky tack one to to even them up because both of those were nonsense. Yeah, I I agree that the Pedersen wasn't an interference either. Like Donskoy just kind of skated into him and fell over. <laughs> right, right. And it was it was dumb. But regardless of the quality of officiating, which we know wasn't good, um, <clears throat> you can't keep taking these penalties. You know, because before that, if you if you were to go through all the penalties before that, both both Graves penalties in this game absolutely earned them. The Calvert holding was totally hold uh, where he was holding the stick behind the net was legit. Kadri ended another power play uh, by taking another penalty, which magnifies the penalty when you go from, OK, your team is up a man advantage to now you've just taken that away like it it blows up a little bit more. It does. And it's, it's such a weird situation because it seems like in these high penalty games, the abs continue to get away with it. Yeah. The, the thing is though, is, you know, Calvert and Kadri play kind of a rougher style. So you're going to get the occasional penalty out of them. Right. But Cole, Zadorov are good for one every night. Graves, five in the last two games. You have to bench Graves. Yeah. Regardless of how well he, he plays the rest of the game, you have to bench him. 
You can't. He can't take five penalties in two games. No, I'm I'm with you. It's if you're willing to bench Sidorov for taking a couple of penalties, it has to be a consistent message, right? And and Graves taking five and really four periods of hockey, he takes five minor penalties, cannot be allowed. Yeah, I mean, we saw Cole got healthy scratched a week and a half, two weeks ago because of this. Zadorov's been healthy scratched. Graves has been healthy scratched. These the same guys are having the same problems. They're not learning. Yep. And that's the biggest frustration is that they're all taking a penalty and then they're all whining to the official about it. And it's like, you just can't do what you're doing. You know, Ian Cole has got to let up on a guy when he doesn't have the puck. It is not seven years ago in the NHL. You're going to get called for interference if that puck is gone and you and you drop the guy. You know, the, the interference that he had behind the net on Tanner Pearson was really solid defense, and then he just doesn't let up. Yep. You have to stop. It's not – this isn't anything new. It's been this way in the NHL for years. And, like, he just – you know, a guy like Cole is at his best when he's walking the line. You know, he he's playing that physical game – He's probably getting away with a little bit of something, but none of it is egregious. And it's and it's death by paper cut. It's a whole bunch of little things that up to that add up to a good a good overall product. And that's that's Cole's defense when he's at his best. Yep. But this can every single night putting the team behind the eight ball, and you can't you can't be simultaneously one of the team's most reliable PK guys and in the box all the damn time. And you just can't do it. And this is the biggest problem with the defensemen taking penalties. Graves plays PK. Cole plays PK. Zadorov plays PK. And right. there are three of your most regular visitors to this penalty box. That's that right there. You just named three of the four guys who played real real time on the PK in the last game. Eric Johnson had seven minutes of, of shorthanded time on ice uh, against Vancouver as he watched all those guys rotate in and out. He was the only one that regularly plays PK that wasn't in the box at some point. So he had to be out there for all of it, you know, and EJ is a fascinating guy these days, filling up the stat sheet, blocked shots, couple of hits, some shots on goal has points in a couple games in a row now, which he definitely needed. Yep. But you watch him and there are real questions about, you know, what you're doing out there sometimes his, I, I really, really wonder how much of it is EJ and how much of it is the Avs defensive system as it's set up now, Mm -hmm. because it seems like either the system is very much locking him into his spot or he doesn't have the brain to use the freedom that they're giving him and he locks himself into his spot defensively. Mm -hmm. And I don't know which one it is, but sitting on the backside of the play covering the back door with no one in it has to stop. <clears throat> yeah, he is he he I don't know, man. It's a tough conversation because it's is it 
Right. It, it, this is exactly what I'm saying, though. I don't know if it's EJ. I don't know if it's the systems. It's probably some combination of both where something just isn't quite falling into place. Yeah. And it's leading to stagnant defense that isn't covering the lanes that it needs to be. Well, and we've seen this PK had success for about four straight weeks. Right. They were being extremely effective in setting up in their box and covering those lanes. And now all of a sudden, a lot of those lanes are open and the abs are overloading the puck side and, and constantly getting caught by players finding the open lanes. Well, and this is this is why I wonder why I struggle with. The it's it's the chicken and the egg conversation, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. And this, is, this is why I struggle with: is it the system or is it the player? Because we've seen the system work. We've seen the system work for legitimate stretches of time, and not just like, oh, well, it was good that one game. You know, we've we've seen the system work for an entire season and not work for an entire season. This was kind of going to be the tiebreaker on does can Nolan Pratt coach a PK? And right now we've had a lot of variants within the season. It hasn't consistently been great, but it's had moments of being great. And it's now had moments of struggling. And when you struggle, unfortunately on the PK, you lose games. You give up multiple power play goals. Like it's hard to get through a game without giving up a goal at even strength. It's hard to score goals at even strength. And then when you're giving up multiple freebies on man advantages and you have your some of your better PKers that are rolling in and out of the box constantly, that's the other part I, I think is, is notable in this conversation is that when you're don't have when you don't have the PK personnel out there that you want, it's harder to run your PK. And when you're losing one of those guys every single time to the box, you know, if if Vlad Kamenev takes a penalty, your PK is fine. You're you're all of your PK guys as normal go out there and kill the penalty. But if it's Cole, if it's Zadorov and it's Graves, those guys are all your PK guys. That's why they're playing for you. They're basically a large part of the reason that they're in the Avs lineup at all is to play in the PK. And if they're taking right. themselves off of it, it's just bad news for everyone. Well, and then when you have one guy off and then you're having to over-rotate the other one, somebody is taking that shift. Yep. And so now that guy's not getting the, the rest that he needs, That that you know, and they're not rotating the way that they're supposed to. It's putting themselves behind the eight ball. And the fact that it's, it's three guys that are having this problem, now EJ is out there the entire time. And it's, you know, it's, it's all just, again, this is, this is how little things build into big problems. And, and it's – go ahead. The reality is EJ is not the guy that can play 26, 27, 28 minutes anymore. He will break down. The abs tried that for years, and he would just break down. So they don't have a super-duper workhorse that can just make up for that by never coming off the ice. Right. 100%. It's just that – it's making life way harder on themselves than they need to be. And it's something that's so easy to fix. You think so? 
I do. I, the, the Zadorov one, I think, unfortunately, is just part of the package. But Ryan Graves and Ian Cole should know better. They understand what is and is not allowed in the NHL. The the Graves stuff, Cole has always taken a lot of penalties. Everywhere he's been in the NHL, he has always been this guy. So when you say it's part of the package with Z, I think it is with Cole, too. But the Graves stuff concerns me a lot because all of his penalties – are pretty much him chasing the play. It's it's him getting beat on a poor read and not having the foot speed to make up for it. So he's reaching and he's grabbing and he's hooking. And that's all. It's compounding mistakes. Yeah. That's way more concerning. His penalties are way more concerning for me because the way that Graves was being successful and the way that Graves was slowly winning us all over and convincing us that, hey, maybe this guy's a real NHL player was he was playing really smart hockey. And he has to. He has to. He does not have the physical ability to stick in the NHL if if he's he's not playing playing smart hockey. He does not have EJ's natural gifts. Right. EJ, EJ, there's always been hockey IQ questions about EJ, but a lot of them have been overcome because he's just, insanely talented he's always been very 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 talented and that's always been that was why he got drafted first overall that's why he's always been kind of a letdown of a first overall pick is because the physical talent was never in question and you still see it when he goes flying up the ice with the puck you're like oh my god this guy is six six and he can move like that and he can he's got the offensive skills that he does there's no doubt whatsoever about why EJ has been able to carve out a long career. And it's because his natural gifts are just very special. He just hasn't been able to get the most out of them with the, with, you know, the mental side of the game and with, with graves, he maximizes his more limited physical tools because he thinks the game and he's been able to read the game at a high level. With that going, if that disappears and and it's not consistently going to be a smart game, he puts a very hard ceiling on himself. It's really tough for him, given his lack of foot speed, right? If he's not reading the play and positioning close to correctly at all times, he is going to get blown by regularly, and that leads to those penalties you were talking about. Yeah, and that's why his penalties were more concerning to me. With Ian Cole, you know, he's got to play on the line to be effective. And there are going to be times where he's going to go through stretches where he's going to take more penalties. Then there's going to be five, six game stretches where he doesn't take any penalties. And, you know, everybody just complains about what he does with the puck. My issue with Cole's penalties is none of them are good (laughs) penalties right now. I oxymoron to call a penalty good but sure right now i mean everybody knows what you mean yeah there there are there are penalties that make sense right and those are not the ones he's been taking if he takes those i you know okay write off some of those but and sure it'll be a streaky thing there'll be times when he goes without all of these but it just feels like a touch too much for him right now yeah yeah but yeah i mean the good news is the Avs take all these penalties and they still find ways to win. So that's got to be a positive. Yeah. I mean, 
Five game road trip. You and I were concerned. Yeah. Just the injuries, the the fact that Western Canada historically has always given them a lot of trouble. And they will do no worse than two and two in Western Canada, with Minnesota being the one that decides how good this road trip really is. To be honest, even if they go two and three, you take that. I I have no issues with two and three. Yeah. And knowing that they had to play three games with a third string or fourth string goaltender, depending on how you feel about it. Yep. And <clears throat> and I tell you, man, I, with with all of that considered and the fact that Gruby and Frankie look like they're going to be back tomorrow, that's great. But now you've got more forward injuries. Jost and Calvert are both going to be down. I mean, you're going to have an entire bottom six tomorrow night made up of Matt Nieto, Pierre-Edouard Belmar, and call-ups and healthy scratches. Yeah, it's, I mean, great news for Vlad Kamenev. He's going to get a real opportunity, but. I mean, Vlad Nachushkin is playing 15 minutes a night right now. He sure is. That is a thing that's happening. It's way too much. But what else do you do? Yeah, they don't have a choice right now. Right. In this situation, you're going to play. Are you going to play Nachushkin 15 minutes? You're going to play Jason Megna. Yeah, uh, I don't think I need to say the answer to that one. But so, you know, and it's crazy to me that a guy with one point in 16 games is a no brainer. But that's where they are right now. They're they will their bottom line. I don't know what the lines will actually look like, but assuming it's Magna Tynan and we're assuming Logan O'Connor will be the call up. I'm assuming LLC is the call up, but I'm assuming Belmar centers that line. Okay. Well, if, if Belmar centers it, it ruins my fun little joke that that line has zero points in the NHL this year, but it's also because Logan O'Connor hasn't played an NHL game yet this year. So, I mean, not that that matters. Yeah, well, you know, Tynan almost had a he had a point for like two days, and then they took it away. Does that count yeah. or something? I mean, I guess you could put Tynan in the middle. He's he's an AHL center. Yeah, uh, let's be real. That line's gonna get like six minutes. So, right. It's. I mean, I guess I guess Kamenev would probably really be the center there. Well, and, they do and the then, thing where they rotate guys through, and Mac will get yeah. double shifted and whatever, but. So, I mean, assuming it is Logan O'Connor, he has to play, too. Yeah, this isn't you call up to sit in the press box. This is this is real time. You need to be on the ice and you need to be at least not hurting the team. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm... <clears throat> They just need to survive, right. honestly. Whatever whatever happens tomorrow, get through it. And then you're one day closer towards getting healthier. And, you know, you have you have any when you have a special player playing special hockey like they do with McKinnon and McCarr right now, you have an opportunity. Yeah. And if they get Grubauer back, then they really have an opportunity. Because that's a I mean, that's a flame. They're going into Calgary to play a flames team that's in a tailspin right now. It, They've got a million problems of their own. So all if you look at their next games, Calgary's had a bunch of issues. Minnesota is just bad. And then Toronto is struggling heavily right now as well. So there are opportunities <laughs> here, even with the injuries. 
Yeah, I mean, Calgary's lost three games in a row. You know, Minnesota's at the bottom of the, the standings in the NHL. So you got to consider that. Although <clears throat> Minnesota is kind of a tale of two stories because they're four, one, and two at home and three and 10 on the road. And the Avs will be going into Minnesota. So they'll yeah. definitely get the best version of Minnesota. And then Toronto, you're right. Who, who knows? It's, it's <laughs> an interesting situation, but I think it's been six games in a row that the Avs have had someone injured. That's got to stop. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, Steve House's uh, calendar that he put out on Twitter the other day, where he put, pointed the injuries to all. The, I think there were only, there was only one game in this month in which they have not suffered an injury, and it was the Arizona game on the back to back. Of course, it was. Yeah, where they went out and they didn't show up at all. Yeah, and got shut out and was not even a remotely competitive game. All right. Well, we've run pretty long. Final thoughts on the Avs and, and where they stand right now. <clears throat> you got to be feeling really good. Uh, they are second in the division. They're competitive with all these other teams. Somehow Nashville is sixth in the division right now. I don't know where that came from, but the Central's just always the Thunderdome. You fall off for <clears throat> two games and you're done. It's true, man. I mean, it's been it's been. You know, Chicago and Dallas are both on winning streaks. Winnipeg just keeps scraping out wins. <clears throat> you know, they're they're kind of a Winnipeg and St. Louis are both kind of a house of cards right now, where they're surviving on three on three. And yep. if that starts going the other way, I mean, the St. Louis, I say if that starts going the other way, St. Louis has five overtime losses and five overtime wins in the first ten game, twenty one games of the season. So. <sighs> They are they are teetering on a significantly worse fate uh, right now, and all of this is to say Colorado twelve six and two despite everything, uh, plus fourteen goal differential. You're feeling good about it. They when they get healthy, man, they're they're in position to absolutely they're they're going to have a chance to to win the West this year. It's there was optimism at the start of the season. Now I too truly believe that when healthy, they are top three team in the league. I would say a top three team in the West. I would say a top five team in the league. Totally agree with you. I I just think that they sure they're so they they have proven in a flawed West again in a flawed West this year that's lacking a true juggernaut. There's a void there, and Colorado could step into that, especially given. What's happened with Burakovsky early on, if that can continue with him next to Kadri on a consistent basis, if Donskoy continue to be really, really solid, and they and and they go back to their regular fourth line with Nieto, Belmar, and Calvert just running running teams, they're gonna be absolutely impossible to stop in the West. Gotta love it. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for us as always thank you for listening we got a fun week of shows not sure exactly what we'll get on when but i know the plan is to try and do some kind of a round table here since we've passed the quarter mark might not be till next week we'll see but you have that to look forward to and we will talk to you again tomorrow piper electric has been serving the denver metro area since 1983 through a commitment to customer service and team performance piper electric is the hometown electrical contractor you can 
trust. If you call 303-646-6765, they'll give you the DNVR hookup and save you 20% off your next service call. No job is too big or too small for Piper Electric. They work with the top professionalism and integrity in the biz, whether it's residential, commercial, or industrial work. Don't forget, you have to call 303-646-7665 to receive 20% off your next service call.